J. Jonah Jameson here. That's right, folks. Spider-Man is, in fact, Peter Parker. People looked up to this boy, called him a hero. Well, I'll tell you what I call him. Public enemy number one, Spider-Man, a psychopath, wielding powers he has no right to possess, trying to pass himself off as a hero. Well, let me tell you something, kid. You're no hero. You're a criminal. You're a miscreant. You're a masked marauder. A menace. Thanks for watching, and don't forget to like and subscribe to Pop Culture Catechism. I mean, The Daily Bugle. Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism. Conversations about music, movies, and the longings of the human heart. Let's get started. What makes someone a hero? Is it their skills? Is it their powers? Is it they can do things that other people can't do? Is it their moral character? Is it some combination of the two? And how do the hardships we've gone through, our traumas, affect that ability to be heroic? Can anyone be heroic? Do we have to have gone through something hard? How do our traumas and our struggles shape our identity? And is it ever okay to kill someone if they're about to die anyway? What if they are doing terrible things? We're going to talk about all that and more in this special episode of Pop Culture Catechism, where we are talking about one of the best movies I've seen in a long, long time that just hit me all in all the different fields, Spider-Man No Way Home. We're going to talk about all the Spider-Man stuff. We're going to talk about the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans, the Andrew Garfield Spider-Mans, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans, Into the Spider-Verse. I'm playing the Miles Morales video game right now. It's really good. We're going to talk about all of it as much as we can. Uh, and I am super happy to be joined today by my good friend who's been on the episodes, many episodes before he's been on the show a bunch of times, uh, Nick Devatore, the president of pop, the president, no, he's not the president of pop culture catechism. He's the president of Awaken Catholic, the whole shebang. And he hosts the Awaken Catholic show and also co-hosts the prodigal life uh, here on Awaken Catholic. So I'm, wel- I'm very happy to welcome him back. This is kind of an impromptu episode. I normally, for my episodes, uh, travel to the Awaken studios in Bowling Green, Ohio. But uh, Nick was very nice to let me know about some good video equipment and some lighting. And my patrons... Shout out to my patrons. Uh, we're nice enough to supply us with some resources to be able to buy a nice camera and some nice lights. So I don't need to go to Ohio every time I want to do an episode now. So be expecting more in the feed. I'll still be doing episodes from Ohio where I'm in the Awakened Studios and we're, and we're bringing in guests. Um, but also sometimes just kind of randomly as something strikes us as worth talking about, I'm going to hop on here, uh, maybe with Nick, maybe with someone else. And uh, so you've, you've been, and we'll do an episode. You've been used to getting Pop Culture Catechism episodes every two weeks. Uh, so maybe you'll be getting some more often at this point, which would be super great. And again, that is all. Thank you to our patrons. Uh, my name is Mike Tenney, uh, host of Pop Culture Catechism. If this is your first time here, I spent over a decade in Catholic high school education, uh, helping form the spiritual lives of young people. And also at night, I was trying to make it as a rock star, uh, playing in, in clubs and bars and churches all over the place. And uh, now I'm the host of Pop Culture Catechism and a Catholic speaker. And I speak to thousands of people each year. And I love talking about music and movies that 
hit us right in the heart and make us think about the deep things that make life worth living. And uh, hopefully we can find God in all those things and find his love in all these things. So then we can unplug from the internet and go live that love with the, the people we spend our every day with. So today we're talking about Spider-Way, Spider-Man, No Way Home. Before we get into the episode, I need to once again give a huge thank you and shout out to our patrons who make everything possible. If you want to become a patron, you can go to popculturecatechism.com. There are six tiers of giving, and you can choose a level that fits your tithe or fits your budget. And there's perks that go along with all six tiers. And every patron gets access to exclusive content. Every episode has exclusive content, including for this episode. So when you're done watching this, patrons can go to the Pop Culture Catechism app and the Pop Culture Catechist group in the Awaken app, and they can view the exclusive content for this video. I haven't quite figured out what it is yet, but we're going to figure it out and I'll put up something uh, special for you in the uh, in the app. Speaking of the Awaken app, Awaken has an app and it's not just for patrons, it's for everyone. It is a hub for all the shows on Awaken. You can go to theawakenapp.io, and it, but it's also kind of a social media alternative to Facebook and Twitter and some of these other places where things can get kind of toxic. And it's just a place for like-minded Christians and Catholics to gather, share about our Faith, and you can also get plugged into lots of awesome media provided by Awakened Catholic. There's also a Christian music library, a prayer library. There's a really good rosary that I think is better than a lot of the other uh, prayer apps. So definitely download the Awakened app, whether you're a patron or not. And again, a special shout out to our patrons. A few people that I want to thank, especially I want to thank uh, Rob Smith, Tom and Emily Camberiati, uh, Carl and Melissa Gore, Lisa and Bob Tenney, Steve and Maggie Hubbard, um, and Troy Henry, and all of our patrons who make this show possible. All right, let's get on with the episode. Nick, how are you? Are you there? Mike, I am doing marvelously well. Thank you for having me on your show. It is a great honor as it always is. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, you were one of the people, a bunch of my friends had said, oh my gosh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Have you seen it yet? Have you seen it? And I was like, no, I haven't seen it yet. My wife's working night shifts. I have two young kids. And then I got COVID over Christmas on top of it all. So I like wasn't even allowed out of the house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was, I was supposed to like stay inside for like 10 days. I was on like day nine. And then like the, the CDC put out a new thing. And it's like, we're shortening the, the, the quarantine isolation thing from like 10 days to five days. So if you've been out for five, for five days with no symptoms, then you can go out with a mask and I like waited until everyone went to bed and I like bought a ticket for like an 11 o'clock show and I went double masked to the theater by myself I've never gone to a theater by myself that's how badly I wanted to see this movie and talk about it because all my friends were like oh my gosh you have to go see it and we decided we were going to do a show about it and talk about all the things so spoiler spoiler spoilers if you haven't seen Spider-Man No Way Home stop watching this go watch that come back and then watch this and we can have a good time together so yes yeah. and like you I have I am so deep in the spider-man stuff like i've i've watched all the spider-man movies i've played uh the ps4 spider-man game and now i've also played uh miles morales uh that spider-man game on my ps5 and like i'm just so i just love the character i love so much about him and this movie no way home was so i have goosebumps right now just remembering how 
extraordinary of a cinematic experience that was the storytelling the screenwriting the dialogue like it was just so the cinematography was gorgeous it was just so good mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah there's there's been a few experiences i've had in movies where they pull in things from a bunch of different places and they make them all fit and it's it's not just fan service it's not just a throwback but they really they really do justice to the stuff that's come before but they bring it up they bring it up to date and they, they incorporate the new stuff um i don't know if you mm-hmm. ever saw um x-men days of future past where they had the, the the young cast and the old cast together that was probably the first time i ever i ever saw it done and then with avengers uh endgame and infinity war i feel like that that kind of had this feeling and then with spider-man the first time I, I felt that um was with the spider-verse into the spider-verse the animated movie that came out a few years ago which was excellent excellent amazing and i felt like that really paved the way for what was happening in the the multiverse in the MCU, like that kind of introvert introduced the multiverse in the MCU and has allowed so many of the cool plot lines that we've seen there, um, and definitely paved the way for this movie. And uh, yeah, yeah, it is interesting movie- to wonder, like, would they have made this movie if it weren't for Into the Spider Verse? Because yeah. like that just you know you might you might be an adult and hear oh it's an animated movie and you might immediately you know cast it aside as like not worth your time because it's animated, mm-hmm. but you'd be making a mistake. It's so good and the so art. Good. In the animation style, like everything is so unique and so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that I, I heard. I think a lot of people do write it off just because it's a cartoon. Like it's the lowest grossing of the Spider-Man movies, uh, which I really think uh, is a shame. I want to give a shout out real quick to the Though They Die uh, podcast, uh, which is run by Net Ministries. They just did a really awesome episode on into the spider-verse so if you really like that movie and want to do a deep dive into that movie check out though they die um they did a great episode on that just a couple weeks back so but we're going to talk about all the things spider-man today (laughs) um specifically no way home so with this movie again spoilers 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 if you haven't seen it now's your chance to not have things spoiled for you what what do you love about this movie tell me tell me all the things Gosh, I mean, for one thing, there was so much hype built up around like what the world was hoping would happen. And like Mm -hmm. if they had not met the expectations people had, like there might have been riots. I mean, the expectations were so high and so specific and it just it would have been such a missed opportunity if Disney and Marvel had not done what people wanted. And at this point, Mm -hmm. we've given the, the spoiler warning. So we'll say. Yes, all three of the the Spider-Man live action Spider-Men were in it. Toby, mm-hmm. Andrew, and Tom. Mm-hmm. And um I I just had this uh pessimistic fear that it would not happen. Like there were similar expectations for WandaVision, you know, that there'd be this huge bad guy reveal at the end of it where mm-hmm. Mephisto or someone similar would show up at the end. Or even Doctor Strange, and like none of that happened, and everyone was so let down, and I was mm. so afraid that something similar would happen with this, where yeah, we have the bad guys, but I saw so many explanations as to how they would have those bad guys and potentially not include the other Spider-Men, and like mm-hmm. I hated that that was a possibility, and I was terrified, and when my expectations, the way that they introduced them, um, I just loved. I love that they met expectations, but then did it in a way that was so masterful. Like it wasn't just a cash grab. It wasn't just, um, you know, false hype or just like doing the bare minimum where like Tobey Maguire shows up at the last second for two minutes, you know, like it was the other two Spider-Men were deeply a part of the story and they were in the movie for a significant amount of time. And I was so surprised by that pleasantly. It was beautiful. 
Yeah, I was. I thought if they were going to be in it, it was going to be kind of a fan servicey thing where there's yeah. this final battle and they come in for a second, or maybe you get a glimpse of them, maybe you get a conversation or whatever. But they were like real characters, <laughs> and yeah. I, I love that they kind of hinted at the background of like what's been going on in Andrew Garfield Spider-Man universe, what's been going on in Tobey Maguire Spider-Man universe, and I, I feel like connected to the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man in a way I, I like never did before. Like I never thought those movies were bad. I, I thought uh, a lot of people were were down on the Andrew Garfield Spider-Mans too much. I was like, right, they're, they're not as good as the Tobey Spider-Mans, but they're not terrible. Some people thought they were terrible, but I feel like having seen this movie now, people are going to go back and have a brand new appreciation for Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man because he just shined. He was just yeah. like, he, he, did, he just pulled on your heartstrings in, in all the right ways. And that, that scene where he gets to save MJ, oh where like the, the, the scene, because the famous from the Spider-Man comics is the death of Gwen Stacy. It was, it was one of the, the, the biggest things. It's like back in the 80s, like before MJ, Mary Jane was even a character, his big love interest was Gwen Stacy. And Green Goblin kills her by throwing her off of the, the Brooklyn Bridge, the George Washington Bridge, one of the big bridges in New York. And Spider-Man goes to catch her and you're expecting he's going to catch her because he always catches people. He catches people all the time. That's what he does. He catches people for a living and he doesn't catch her. And she dies. And it was this huge thing in the comic book world. Um, and they try, and they did that in the Andrew Garfield movie with uh, with Electro, and so you see that scene recreated where MJ falls off, and Andrew gets to redeem himself and save MJ. <laughs> I just thought that was. Yeah, that, that was that was so cool. Well, and it seems like Andrew has grown so much as an actor. Like he's been a part of so many projects since doing the Spider-Man movies. Yes, where he's really gotten to blossom and grow and and become a really unique artist in his acting. And like he is so compelling when he's on screen and he is in character. Like he's such a strong, compelling, emo emotive, emotional. He brings it, and and I yeah. think that he in this iteration of being spider-man because i just recently rewatched the the andrew garfield spider-man movies mm. you know and it wasn't like th this performance was extraordinary for him yeah it really was it really was um and toby too i, I love toby as kind of like the wizened um you know, has, has some perspective, you know, he's got, he's got a bad back, you know, and he's had to mm -hmm. work out some things in his, in his relationship with Mary Jane, but he's, he's got, you know, he, he spent time thinking about his past. They say, they say he's thought about like how he would cure Green Goblin. Um, you know, he's, he's reflected on all these traumas he, we saw him go through in the three Sam Raimi, uh, Spider-Man films. And now he is really this mentor, Mm -hmm. Who you know maybe he physically he's not <laughs> where he was, but he's got he's got this wisdom that he can pass on and really help Tom through what our you know, Tom Holland Spider Man Peter uh, through what he's going through. So I just I thought that was uh, both both of those characters were really strong characters, and I, I thought just this whole movie um, just had good characters. I felt like more than in uh, Spider Man Homecoming or Spider Man Far From Home, we really got to know. Aunt May. We mm -hmm. really got to know MJ. I feel like I cared about those characters for the first time. Like MJ in the first two, I was kind of like, meh. But in this one, like I really felt like a connection to her. You could really believe the romance between the two of them. Um, and you see her struggling with like a moral question of like, all right, I, I do I kill all these guys by pressing this button <laughs> who are trying to kill my guy or, or you know who are trying to kill Peter or do I do I believe in in Peter's mission to try to save these guys? Um, you know, so I, I, I really thought several of those characters that were kind of in the background, we never got to see much development from. We really got to see development from. Um, 
and also with Peter, Tom Holland's Peter, I feel like in the past I kind of cared about him because he was like the young kid on the Avengers. You know, that famous scene in Infinity War where he's like, you know, Mr. Stark, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And he, and he gets dusted. And then he comes back at the end of Endgame. Like the big emotional connection we had to Peter was as um, his connection to Tony and Tony's protege, yeah. this kind of father-son relationship. And here we kind of get to see him and the, the emotional weight of his character on his mm-hmm. own. So, yeah. yeah. They, that they, moment with Tony Stark, I just got a little choked up remembering it. Like that is such mm-hmm. a powerful emotional moment because you see just the authenticity of he, he's a kid and he, he doesn't want to die. He doesn't want to disappear. He doesn't know what's on the other side of the, you know, the, the snap. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, uh, yeah. And, and I also love um, along those lines, like you see... <clears throat> It's different than like Batman going over to DC for a second. Like Batman, every actor that's ever played Batman, you basically got to follow the same formula. He's dark, he's brooding, you know, he's a playboy by day and then mm-hmm. whatever. And it's basically you get the same thing with each performance with small variations. Um, but but with Spider-Man and these three different actors portraying him, you, you really get a different Spider-Man in each one, a totally different personality. Um, and it brings a lot more value to that idea of a multiverse where there is more color. There's, there's more variation on who each one of these Spider-Man is. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't think we would get the same thing from a multiversal Batman mashup. Like they'd yeah. all be brooding. They'd all be, you know, like, I don't know. It would just be totally different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine that in my head and what that would be like. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other characters that I think really are a strength in this movie, maybe the strongest strength of this movie, is the villains. Oh my Getting gosh. to see Dr. Ock come back, and the fact that Dr. Ock comes back and is redeemed and like comes in as a hero at the end is kind of this, again, kind of father figure to Peter, this, this like loving professor. I think we've all had kind of great, you know, hopefully we've all had good teachers that have been like mentors to us. And to see that relationship repaired and to see him you know, become this kind of grandfatherly uncle type figure again was so beautiful to get to see Jamie Foxx as Electro, um, you know, and, and really, really see him like, well, I don't want to go back. You know, I like what's going on here. I want to take Tony Stark's reactor. I want to, you know, you, you see him struggling because he, he didn't want to go back to being a loser or being killed. And then, of course, Green Goblin, Willem Dafoe, like, oh my What God. an incredible performance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was incredible. And I love the complexity. Um, You know, this movie does a really good job of putting on display like people that become the villains in our lives Mm -hmm. or or in even in a fictional story. Like they're often portrayed in stories as being like very one dimensionally evil or like even if they try to present that there's more to it, it really doesn't get at some of the the real human experience that this movie puts on display so beautifully. Like in Willem Dafoe's performance, obviously having a split personality type of scenario is an extreme example of this. But, you know, like you and I talked about in The Matrix, like nobody in The Matrix episode, nobody is intrinsically evil. And, you know, everybody is trying their best and, and it's just kind of tainted to very varying degrees um, by our wounds or whatever. And then, you know, in the example of the Green Goblin, um, uh, 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 what's his name? Oz, Oscorp. Uh, Osborne. Osborne. Yeah. Um, it, like you have someone that made a choice grasping for power that led him to uh, this literal split personality dimension where he's like, 
Um, he wants to be good, but he feels like there's this other personality inside him that takes over and, and literally does in his case. Um, but then, you know, even with uh, Doc Ock, like you have this guy that Spider-Man looked up to, like you were just talking about, and how many of us have, uh, have mentors who have let us down or parental figures or whatever. Um, and, and it's really, really hard to look them in the eye or, or to continue to look up to them. And, you know, you, you just, I don't know, I, I don't want to skip ahead too far to the spiritual dynamics of, of, mm -hmm. the, of the movie. Cause I know that you, you know, you segment the show a little well, bit. Well, I think, I think, I think this is a good jumping off point. Okay. So go, go ahead. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, to me, the, the biggest thing that I came away with was just this really convicting, um, idea of, the plot was essentially that Doctor Strange wanted to do what was the obvious move, right? Doctor mm -hmm. Strange wanted to say, we got to get rid of these guys. They're going to cause havoc. They don't belong in this universe. Um, and we, I think, are programmed to like repel anything that makes us uncomfortable, anything that has hurt us um, or might hurt us as like a defense mechanism. Um, and we just kind of cast people out of our lives because it's like we need to protect ourselves or the people around us that we love. Um, but what Tom Holland's Spider-Man, uh, you know, the, the kink in this, in this plot at the, towards the beginning of the movie is like, he doesn't want to just cast these people out without trying to help them first. He doesn't want to just send them back mm -hmm. as evil or as broken as the, or as wounded as they were. He wants to, well, initially he does. And then Aunt May is like, hold on, buddy, you gotta, you have a responsibility. These people have been put into your life for a reason. And I love that Aunt May kind of challenges him there because even a superhero, even Spider-Man is not above reproach or above correcting um, by his caregiver, by his, you know, uh, elder. Um, mm -hmm. And then that the, the, the incredible feat that, that you see play out throughout the rest of the movie of trying to help these guys uh, heal wounds, essentially. Yeah. Are we willing in our lives to put in the work to stick with a relationship that is with someone that's incredibly wounded and broken, trying to help them, even putting ourselves at dire risk. I mean, mm -hmm. literally Aunt May dies as a product of this effort. Yeah. Green Goblin kills her before, you know, I, I just, I don't see myself in myself. I don't see uh, that virtue. Uh, I'm much more self-preserving. Um, mm. and, and I just, I was really convicted by that idea that like, gosh, would I be willing to put in the time? Have mm -hmm. I been historically, if I look back at my life and the answer is no. Yeah. So I think, so I think there's some discernment there when it, when there's yep. like somebody in your life who is a toxic person, who is a quote unquote villain. Um, and how do you invest with them? Like, I think it's okay to like set some boundaries, you know, to protect yourself and to protect your family and the people you love. Um, but at the same time, I think we do have a call to be self-sacrificial. So I, I think that takes some wise discernment, maybe talking with other people who know the situation, maybe talking to a spiritual director or a counselor or something like that. And also praying and saying, God, mm -hmm. is this what you're calling me to do? And how are you calling me to do it in a wise and prudent way? Um, because sometimes we are called to be self-sacrificial. Sometimes we are called to have that sort of martyrdom where we are going to be hurt by trying to help this person. Um, but in other cases, I, th I think it's wise, wise to kind of protect yourself. Um, and so I think one that takes some self-knowledge, like I, I know lots of people, maybe even me to some extent, who have persisted in like a really toxic romantic relationship because they're like, oh, I can save her. 
oh, I can save him. And it just ends up damaging you and doesn't, doesn't help the person at all. So I think it really takes, you, you can't just make this decision on your own. You need to find some like trusted friends and some trusted mentors and be like, hey, here's what's going on. Because they might be like, no, you're blinded by love and you need to get away from this toxic person who's dragging you down. Um, yeah. And so I think I think we got to be careful there <laughs> because I think it's really easy as a Christian to be like, oh, self-sacrificial love, and we end up in the name of self-sacrificial love, um, de- letting ourselves be debased, letting ourselves be abused. And uh, I had a spiritual director point this out to me one time. Uh, he said, you know, Jesus's greatest commandment: love God above all things. And then the second is like it. Jesus says, is to love your neighbor as yourself. And if you don't love yourself and you're not caring for yourself, then you're missing part of that great commandment. Um, St. Ignatius Loyola, he would start all his prayers by saying, may this all be, may everything I'm doing, may my prayers, may my day be for the greater glory of God and the salvation of my soul. So there is a kind of like holy selfishness in a way of you love yourself because God loves you and you have dignity and you need to respect that dignity. And talk about responsibility. Your greatest responsibility is to respond to God's call in your life and to grow in holiness and to, and to be soaked in the grace of God so that, so that you grow. So I, I want to be careful here in case someone hearing is kind of in a toxic relationship with a significant other, with yeah, totally a parent, different. with someone, and they don't just like, oh, I got to love the person, got to love the person, continue to let themselves be abused and abused. Like, no, absolutely, you need to set some boundaries sometimes. Um, but also, I think you're right. Because sometimes we're, it's, it's, it's not because we're setting wise boundaries that we stay away from that person. It's because we're afraid to love. And it's because we're, yeah. afraid, we're afraid of the cost. And so I yeah. think that takes very wise discernment, some wise counsel with some trusted people um, and, knowing, and knowing yourself and what, what you can do. And um, I think that's the, the so, hard yeah. thing in discerning that is like we are so comfortable staying comfortable. And so mm-hmm. like we will in, in that like pursuit of avoidance of discomfort like we will tend towards the safer side even if it isn't actual spiritual discernment where god is calling us to stay more comfortable like we were as pope benedict said we weren't called to comfort we were called to greatness um and so that greatness where does that come in and and so in the example of self-preservation like you think about the the thing that people have said a million times, you know, you're on an airplane, the oxygen masks drop. You got to make sure you have oxygen because you only have like like less than seven seconds before you're completely useless to help your little kids. So make sure you have a mask on first and then you can help your kid. That's an example where the self-preservation is crucial. And, you know, I could try to be a hero and make sure my kid has a mask first, but then everyone's screwed. And so, you know, th- there is a very real dynamic there, but we cannot in the name of some kind of virtuous, um, like idea, we, we cannot like stay in comfort. And, and this, we have this like a very Westernized Americanized version of, of Christian virtue that looks like a white picket fence in a nice neighborhood and security, you know, actually, yeah. uh, Francis Chan has a great video on this out there. Um, that might be, uh, worth sharing. Um, where he talks about like, what does it look like to be a successful Christian in the United States? You know, it's like that white picket fence idea. It's like, that's not what the gospel calls us to. The gospel calls us to discomfort and to spreading the gospel. And how are you going to do that super effectively from the security of a nice little suburbia? Persecution. Um, Persecution. Yeah. And so I think that that discernment has to be super objective and, and getting a, not just like, 
you know, because we also pursue confirmation bias, right? So it's like it, you can't just ask friends who are like minded. You really that's where spiritual direction comes into play because you got to get someone who's going to push you out of your comfort zone a little bit. Um, you know, Jesus, like turn the other cheek. Does that yeah. mean self-preservation? No, it doesn't mean self-preservation. It means turn the uh, other cheek. But yeah. it, using the example of Spider-Man, it's not like he just let Green Goblin and whoever beat up on him. He yeah. fought back, but he was trying to help them in mm. in the pursuit of healing them. So while trying to heal them, he's defending himself and you know punching back because ultimately it was for their own good. You know, so mm. it isn't just like going back to your thing about an abusive relationship. It's not just about, you know, keep letting yourself get kicked in the gut while you're laying on the ground. It's defend yourself and be help be in a healthy situation. Like that's that's a totally different thing. Yeah. Uh, so if you don't know who Francis Shannon, he's an evangelical pastor and preacher who kind of leans Catholic and has been kind of leaning that way for a while. So he's very popular in Catholic and Orthodox circles. Um, but uh, anyway, he has some, well, the, he has the video, some stuff to say. Oh, he's fantastic. The video yeah. I'm talking about actually came out years before um, some of his conspicuously Catholic-y <laughs> stuff was coming out. So this was actually just... Because uh, I've been following him even when he was explicitly evangelical, because uh, he just has so much good stuff to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah. One, th- one thing that you were talking about before that I wanted to hit on is, uh, you know, being, we, we wanted to talk about being a hero, right? Because Spider Man's a hero, and then we have these villains, and we're talking about self sacrifice, and how do, you, how do you be, as a Christian, honestly self sacrificial? And of course, the great line from Spider Man, uh, which, Aunt May gets to say in this one, which I think is great, and then Toby and Andrew, Spider-Man's, get to say it again, is, of course, with great power comes great responsibility. And so I think that is key to being a hero, is we recognize our powers, and then we recognize our responsibilities and how to use those powers adequately for that. So connecting this to the Christian life, humans have the greatest power of any creature, which is that of free will. Right? I guess angels do too. But we have the ability to g- rise above our instincts, go against our instincts, to make a choice either for the good or for the bad, which is give- what gives us the ability to love, which is a choice for the good or a virtue towards the good, or the ability to sin, which is a choice or a virtue towards what is evil. If you're just a lower animal with, with no free will, like Fido eating his food, like you don't, you don't have that free will, you don't have that choice to love or sin. We might say a dog is a good dog or a bad dog when it obeys us or disobeys us or does something that's like, um, you know, inconvenient to us, but a dog is just doing what a dog does. It's just following its instincts. There's no moral choice there. Whereas humans, we have the great power of moral choice. And so that comes with a great responsibility. And you see Peter wrestling with it here is he has the power to kill Green Goblin in revenge and he wants to kill green goblin in revenge for killing Aunt may but he's got to he's got to make the choice is you know this guy is a murderer he's killed lots of people he's killed someone personally um you know who's personally close to me what do i what do i do here like probably nobody would begrudge me if i if i killed him like these other spider-mans have killed um, villains, you know, Toby's right there. He has killed Green Goblin before. So nobody would really be, begrudge me that, but he has to make the choice to, uh, to respect human dignity, even when that person is not acting in accord with their dignity, right? He wasn't acting in accord yeah. with the, he, with the great power that he, that he had been given as a human. I'm talking about, uh, Osborne, Green Goblin. He wasn't yeah. acting in accord with that. So, um, 
Well, and there's a moment where he almost does it. Like the, yeah. towards the end of the movie, like he's had a couple of opportunities by this point. And then there's this moment where he is just so over it. He's just so mm. done. He's beaten Green Goblin to a pulp. He picks up his little glider and he's about to impale him with it. Yeah. And um, and this is, to me, a huge moment with sig- very big significance um, where the reason he does not kill him is not choice in this moment. He would have gone through with it. But Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man steps in mm. and holds the glider back. He's f- basically fighting uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Mm. Um, and, and keeping him from going through with it. And oh my gosh, this is such a power. I have goosebumps thinking about this. This is such a powerful moment to display or which displays the, the importance, um, the dire importance of us to have good community, um, good brothers or sisters. If you're a woman, like good Lord, how many times have I almost royally screwed up my life? And I can, and it's, it's been the case, but, but it was thanks to a brother who stepped in and and helped stop me from impaling the green goblin with the, with his glider metaphorically it's so huge and it cannot be overstated like mm-hmm. literally i could have ruined my life like everything that my life has been could not have been if it were not for a brother stepping in and metaphorically holding back that glider now wow. i wasn't going to murder someone just so we're clear but mm-hmm. But man, that is so huge because left to his own devices he would have chosen that yeah. and sometimes like we are on the precipice of making terrible choices and we sometimes need to step in for each other and say mm-hmm. no. And, and sometimes that has to be forcefully done. Like, mm-hmm. like Tom Hall, uh, uh, I'm getting all the names screwed up in my head. <laughs> Toby right, Maguire's well, Spider-Man didn't uh-huh. give him a choice in that moment. He saw the choice he was going to make and then he stopped him. Well, and they did the same thing for Doc Ock, right? They had to yeah. forcibly, Doc Ock was saying, no, 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 I don't want this. But it, like, they, they, they knew it was going to be good for him, mm-hmm. um, which I, I, I think generally you should respect people's free will. But again, with <laughs> discernment and wise counsel, I think there are some cases where it's like, we need an intervention and this needs to happen. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think a lot of time we're talking about redemption and how yeah. do you bring people back. I think sometimes it takes that long road of accompaniment that Pope Francis talks about and you were kind of describing before of, you know, daily on a regular basis, walking with this person, even if that's going to be hard for you, even if it's going to cost you something. Um, but sometimes it can be kind of a quick thing. Sometimes the things that are going wrong in our life, like once you get out of that living situation, once you get out of that relationship, once you get your medication right, once you go back to confession, once you start hanging out with some better friends, it just kind of clicks, just like yeah. that microchip getting fixed in the back. And then like everything else kind of falls into place. Like I feel like I have, I have some close friends, um, to me, I, I th- that you know they were they were really struggling, really struggling, really struggling, and then when they once they stopped like dating trash bags <laughs> and like found a good partner, they got it all together. Or once they stopped living with people that were terrible, uh, then you know then everything kind of got got worked out for them. So I think there are kind of different situations like that. Oh, and there usually well, are those things in our lives that are so mm-hmm. simple, just a simple switch to flip like hey, maybe yeah. get more hours of sleep in the night. Yes. Maybe uh-huh. maybe you need a medicative uh, assistance, right? Maybe mm-hmm. you need to use a different pillow. Like yeah. it, sometimes it's that simple, but we oh. aren't put restrictions on your phone or you know, yeah. for whatever it is. Yeah. Uh-huh. What were you going to um, say? I'm sorry. Well, so I was just, what I've been meaning to say about the with great power comes great responsibility, that doesn't come from Uncle Ben, that comes oh. from Jesus. 
right? Because oh, there's okay. that there's that there's that parable of the tenants where uh, Jesus says, you know, the, the landlord or the, the, I forget, the landowner, he was going away. And so he went to his tenants and said, I give you five talents. I give you three talents. I give you one talent. And when he came back, the one with five was like, oh, uh, here's five more. You gave me five. Here's five more. And the one that was like, oh, here's, uh, you gave me three. Here's three more. I think it was five and 10. I can't remember exactly. But then the one who had one is just like, oh, I went and buried in the ground because I was afraid I would lose it. And the landowner is like, no, like I expect you to do something with what I give give you. Um, and that verse for me is like kind of terrifying <laughs> because I grew up with like not a perfect, but a really good family. I grew up with not a perfect, but a really good church community and faith community and youth group. And I, I, I've, I've been very blessed with great spiritual mentors, great spiritual brothers and sisters who have uh, helped me to, to pray and taught me to, to have a love for God's people and, and the poor and pro-life issues and um, to, to have a, have a you know, interior life and to focus on virtue. Like that, a lot of that, it doesn't feel like it's been easy, but when I look at other people's lives, I've had it pretty easy. <laughs> like, it's, like I feel like my life has been hard in a lot of ways, but compared to other people I look at, it, like I've, I've had my faith and so much in my life just like handed to me on a platter. And when I read that passage, it scares the crap out of me. Sometimes like, God, what are you expecting me to do? I've been given so much. And I, I try to like take that to prayer and like pray with it with gratitude. Like, God, thank you for all so many of these good things and not with anxiety. Um, but I do wonder sometimes like, like what, what am I supposed to do with this? Like I've been given yeah. so much. How can I, how can I respond how can I make a return to the Lord for all the good that he has done for me? Um, I don't know. That cuts to my heart. So that great power with great responsibility thing, like, I feel like I've been given great power. I've been given great gifts. And like, what do I, what do I do with that? I'm making a podcast. I hope this is good, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, what you're describing is so real, but if for everyone, it's different. Everyone has a different kind of platter of gifts and talents, so to speak. Um, both literally and figuratively, but what everyone has gotten uh, identically, it, well, sort of, is time. Like the fact mm -hmm. that we have time here, like what are we doing with our time? No matter what gifts we have, if you can sing well, sing for God. Great. Okay, you did it. Like, but but what are what are any of us, even if we don't have musical talent or or artistic talent or whatever it is, what are we doing with our time, which is the greatest gift any of us have? Like. I'm a piano player, guitar player, musician, producer, super. All of that, if I were to lose my hands, would go away. But mm -hmm. I still have time. Like, what am I doing with my time um, combined with the specific unique gifts that I might have? But like any one of us, you might feel like you don't have an artistic bone in your body, but what are we doing with our time? Um, and, and we're going to have to answer for that. Yeah. It's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of terrifying. And I, I try to, um, I think in Christianity, there's like a healthy balance here is you don't want to like be so scrupulous and so like obsessed, like, oh my gosh, am I going to hell? Oh my gosh, am I going to hell? Oh my right. gosh, am I going to hell? Because I, I think we should have peace in God and we should rest in the Lord and like, you know, his, his yoke is easy and his burden is light, but we also shouldn't be like, yeah, I'm not Hitler. I'm going to heaven. You know, right. <laughs> we can't just be like, yep, I was baptized. Yep. I go to church. I'm good. Like there should be a kind of like holy uneasiness. I think yeah. like St. Paul says to work out our salvation with fear and trembling or something like yep, that. That's exactly um, what he says. So 
I think, I think there's a healthy balance to maintain there. And some of us need to be told, chill, got you, yes. daddy. He's got you. And some of us need to be like, um, don't be so sure. <laughs> so, and, I, and the Bible has both of those. The, the Bible has those exhortations to, you know, be ready. You know, not the day or the hour. So be prepared. And it also has those, those things where it's like, Hey, even if you're that one sheep that went off lost when the 99 had it together, God's going to come get you. Don't worry. Yeah. So I think some, whichever one of those listeners, dear listeners, whichever one you are, if you're the sort of person that beat yourself, I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to hell. Oh my God, I'm going to hell. Oh my God, I'm going to hell. Like, you probably need to focus on God's mercy in your prayer life. Um, and if you're like, yeah, I'm good. Like maybe you need to go to confession, do an examination of conscience. Maybe you need a little more of that fear and trembling. So a, a, yeah. a little bit of both is healthy. Well, and, and I think the scrupulosity about whether or not we're using our time or our talents or whatever. Um, I, I have a friend that, gosh, I just want to grab him and shake him. Cause like he, he doesn't like just, being he doesn't like just chilling or doing something that's leisureful even watching a movie if it somehow isn't like about bringing people closer to god which is noble but at the same time it's it's also i think too far in that other extreme of scrupulosity where he can't even sit down for beers if it isn't somehow bringing each other closer to heaven now ultimately we shouldn't be anything we shouldn't be doing anything with our time at any point with any relationship that is pulling us further away from heaven um but i just think that we gotta like you said we gotta chill sometimes and and be healthy uh and part of that healthiness is balance and you know like jesus if you read the gospel, you don't get the sense that at every moment of every day he was preaching, he was kicking it with his homies. They were mm-hmm. they were going on on walks, on hikes, you know, probably enjoying beautiful scenery, probably, you know, sitting around the campfire making fart jokes, you know, like <laughs> I you don't you don't get the impression that he was living that way, so we probably don't need to be worried about that either. <clears throat> mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I Did Jesus, I just get us canceled? <laughs> Jesus, if and when I get to heaven, hopefully I want to hear your best fart joke. Can we, can we make that happen? <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, but there, there are some people who were like, oh, Jesus didn't fart. Jesus, Jesus, you know, like, there, it was just, you know, like no, he was fully human. Okay. Yeah. Um, so something I wanted to talk about kind of morally, we've, we've, we've touched on it a little bit, is this great moral dilemma that Peter has, is if he sends these villains back to where they've come from, they're all going to die like instantly when they get back. And he's like, can I change them before they go back? Is that even my place? Is that my problem? Uh, you know, they were, they were going to die anyway. And, you know, in some cases, like if you're thinking about the multiverse and time travel, like they've already died. So <laughs> we're kind of getting into some speculative stuff here because we, we, there's no church teaching or nothing in the Bible about like time travel and, and all that. But, but let's, let, yeah, or the multiverse. So let's like, um, you know, I mean, the multiverse is just totally, uh, like, there's no proof of a multiverse or anything. It's just, it's just kind of speculative. Um, but it makes for great, uh, you know, movies. So, uh, but anyway, I, I wanted to ask your opinion on the morality of pressing the button, sending those guys back to be killed. Because um, I think there's some very interesting moral dilemmas that we can, we can, we can talk about there. Would Peter have been justified in sending him back? Okay. Or does it depend uh, on the case? Yeah. I mean, in, in the specific case of, of what was happening in this movie, I think before he knew that they traveled to his universe at the moment of their death, B, 
before knowing that, so that sending them back would basically be sentencing them to death. Before knowing that, I think that there was no moral dilemma. Okay, so in moral theology, we call that uh, vincible ignorance versus invincible ignorance. So uh, it, Peter, in that in the moment before he found out that they were going to die, he had what we could call invincible ignorance. He didn't know that they were going to die. He was ignorant of that fact, and there's no way he really could have known that or been have expected to know that. Um, and so he would have been morally justified. Just like if you, like when I was five years old, I was fighting with my action figures in the living room and I had once called the other one like a son of a bee and my family was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if a bad word. So I didn't get in trouble because like, it's okay if a five-year-old doesn't know that a son of a bee is, is bad. Like I just heard it on TV somewhere. I heard you know somebody say it. So like that's invincible ignorance. But if like he could have known and he should have known like if you're driving down the road and you, the cop pulls you over and says, do you know how fast you were going? And you're like, no, I have no idea. Like, you should know. <laughs> that doesn't get you out of the ticket. Like, you're supposed to know those things. It's your responsibility. So anyway, I just wanted to articulate what you just described is a, a principle in moral theology. Because Peter had invincible ignorance, he would have been, there would have been not, that would have not been a sin on his part to kill those right. people. So it would have been bad, but it wouldn't unlike have been a sin. Unlike the speeding ticket, fault. unlike the speeding ticket, where even if you didn't know the speed limit, you have a responsibility as a driver yes. to know the speed limit. Exactly. Because there are ways for you to know that, whereas yeah. Peter Parker would have had no way to know. So, yeah. Exactly. Um, so another principle from the Catholic moral tradition is called the, the principle of double effect. Have you studied this at all? No. So, um, sorry, this is what you get for having a former Catholic high school theology teacher. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I'm totally nerding so, out here. I love yeah, it. So there's something called the principle of double effect, which helps guide your conscience. It's not a math equation that always gives you the right answer, but it's, it's a guide, a tool for your conscience when you come across a situation where the action that you take will have both a good and a bad consequence, a double effect, a good effect and a bad effect. And there's four criteria for judging whether the situation is what they call morally licit, meaning it has to be like neutral um, or, or good. So um, first of all, the you have to identify what is the good effect, what is the bad effect. So the good effect of pressing the button is it sends them back, sends them back home to where they are, gets them out of this universe and stops breaking the multiverse with this spell. Uh, the bad effect is they die. Okay. So uh, you weigh four different factors in, in deciding this. Is First, um, is the action in itself always and everywhere wrong, what the church calls intrinsically evil? So, like, um, killing an innocent person, the church says, is, is like always intrinsically evil to actively, directly kill an innocent person. So if Peter was going to, like, shoot them in the head... That would always and everywhere be wrong, even if it would save like a thousand people from dying to actively sh shoot them in the head in that in that scenario, um, you know. So or to torture them. Torture is another thing that the church says is intrinsically evil. Um, but pressing a button not intrinsically evil. So or pressing a button, sending them back to the universe like that's that's not intrinsically evil. Okay. Um, second criteria: What's your intention? Are you intending the good effect or are you intending the bad effect? Is he intending to fix the multiverse and send them back home or is he intending to kill them? Of course, he's intending the good effect. Okay, so he's good on the first criteria, the, the object or what they call the nature of the act, the intention, he's good. The third one is you weigh the consequences. Is the, is the, the good effect 
proportional is at least equal to or greater than the negative effect? Or is the negative effect, the bad effect, greater? And if the negative effect is greater, it's not morally justified. If it's equal or uh, the, greater, or the positive effect is greater, the good effect is greater, then it can be justified. So um, sending these guys back and having them be killed would, you know, would ultimately save the breaking of the multiverse. Like that, that seems to me like he's justified on that third one. Um, and then the fourth criteria is a little bit, um, is a little bit more complex. This is the hardest one is the action that you take can't cause the bad effect directly. It can only cause the bad effect indirectly. Okay. So if Peter pressing the button killed them and that sent them back to the multiverse you can't do it that way that's that's not justified um because you're you're like basically you're just like directly doing the bad thing but just not calling it the bad thing you're saying oh i'm not killing this person i'm just squeezing a trigger with a gun next to their head it's okay to squeeze a squeeze a trigger with a gun next to somebody's head no that's you're directly causing the bad effect um so in this case, Peter is justified because he's causing the good effect, sending them back, and then that causes the bad effect. So I know this is a little bit in the philosophical weeds, but for you philosophy nerds and moral theology nerds, um, Peter technically would have been justified according to the principle of double effect, um, except uh, Peter didn't just do what was justified. Peter decided to do what was, and here's the word of the episode, heroic. Right? In, in, in Catholic theology, you have what is just, and then you have what is loving. Right? So what is just, the virtue of justice is like what people deserve in their human dignity. So um, from my, uh, in my family, like my children deserve my food and deserve my house. If I do not give my children food, if I do not give them shelter and a place to live, that is an injustice. Okay? Um, you know, random poor person who lives halfway around the world is also hungry, just like my children, but it's not as directly my responsibility to like, if, if that person halfway around the world, who's poor is not living in my house and I'm not feeding them three meals a day, like that's not necessarily an injustice, at least not on the same level that it is to my children. However, the loving thing to do and what Christ calls us to, which is higher than justice, is to be loving. So as Christians, we shouldn't just be do- taking care of our responsibilities, but we should be going beyond our responsibilities. Because we've been given this great power of faith, we have a much greater responsibility to go out and, and, and spread that love. So I think Peter is a hero in this situation because he didn't just do what was justified, what was technically like okay, you know, in... in um, what was just like just, but he went beyond justice to what is loving. And you, you see this articulated. I know I'm, I'm ranting now, but we're talking about moral theology and scripture. So this is my real house. Um, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, it's Jesus is all about not just doing the bare minimum, but going mm-hmm. above and beyond, right? It's not just enough to follow the commandments. You gotta, you gotta give everything you have. It's not just enough to, um, you know, if someone asks you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Someone asks you for your coat, you give them their cloak as well. So, um, Jesus is all about being heroic, going above and beyond. And so those of us who call us, call ourselves Christians, like we can't just be satisfied with what is merely just and you see even even famous theologians like Thomas Aquinas and um, you know talking about like we have our right to self defense and that's that's true we have you know there's there's a certain amount of justice involved um, even in capital punishment he argues um, but then you hear later theologians developing that and you hear like John Paul II and now Pope Francis saying well we're going to call ourselves to something even higher 
than just what is, is, is justified, but to a law of love. We have a higher regard for human dignity. We've come to ha- have a greater understanding of human dignity um, as, as church teaching has, has developed through the ages. So um, anyway, just that idea. I, I really think Peter, he is a hero because he, he, he goes for not just what is justified, but for what is the greatest good. So I totally agree with you. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Well, and how does Peter get the vision? Again, it's from wise mentors, Aunt May, Toby and Andrew. Um, It's something, something else that has struck me is watching the Spider-Man stuff is how the fundamental story of Spider-Man is the story of an orphan, right? Mm. He doesn't have parents. He lives with his aunt and uncle. His uncle Ben is murdered. And now in this movie, his aunt May is murdered. And at the end of the movie, Peter is like totally alone. He has no relationships at all. He is totally by himself. And um, I think some of us live like that. (laughs) I think some of us live um, in kind of this spiritual orphanhood. We're trying to make it through the spiritual life on our own. You know, if we, if we, if we don't go to church, if we aren't part of a community in our church, maybe we go to church, but we're not, in, we don't have friends at church. We're not part of a Bible study. We're not part of the choir. We're not part of a, a small group or anything like that. Um, you know, maybe we were when we were in high school, but we're not, we're not anymore. Like we're, we're spiritual orphans. If we're not going to confession, if we're not engaged with other people who can, who can lift us up. So, um, and a yeah, lot of times, sorry, I, went, doing I, went the youth, right, I went youth pastor there for a second. No, that's good. Um, yeah, so there's the one the one way to be on an island, which is uh, you know putting yourself there out of fear, or um, you know you don't want to get rejected by others, so you don't give them the chance. Um, uh, yeah, being afraid of being criticized, whatever. But then the other way is you know like Jesus says that um, that we cannot. I'm very much paraphrasing here. You might be able to correct me (laughs) that we we cannot uh, love him if we do not hate our mother and our father. And, you know, that he came to bring a sword uh, to relationships, essentially. And and I think that a lot of times doing the right thing um, does divide us from other people. And we have to choose the right thing over those relationships. Gosh, it wrecked. Peter Parker to leave behind Mary Jane and his, and his other buddy. Um, it wrecked him, but he in, in a great state of, of maturity and, and sound reason, like he was about to try to fill her in on everything that she'd forgotten. And he has the script ready in his pocket. And he ultimately, when he sees her and he's reminded of the wounds that he's caused her, when he sees the cut on mm-hmm. her forehead, he's like, I can't keep causing her pain. Hmm. Um, I can't keep putting her in danger. Now it's going to be different scenarios for us because we're not Spider-Man. You know, a lot of times it's standing up for the truth, standing up for Jesus, standing up for the church, whatever it is um, that will divide us from people who aren't okay with us being on fire for Jesus. hundred percent. I know I have a close relative, a close loved one who came back from a Steubenville youth conference, all fired up for Jesus and the church and everything even did the altar call when, when they were asking if people wanted to, you know, discern becoming a priest or, or a religious and came home to a household that said, uh, everything in balance ease off that a little bit. And was, absolutely mortified that 
what he was now excited about in Jesus was being squashed and he was being told to cool it. Um, and so that was an example where the right thing to do, if he was older, he was in high school, so it was harder, mm -hmm. but the right thing to do is to stand by truth, to stand by the Lord, to stand by the church. And that will create divisions. And I think mm -hmm. that what we saw in Peter Parker's, uh, example at the end of this movie is he made a very brave choice uh, for for making the right choice, he allowed himself to be alone, which hopefully that doesn't last forever. If they make yeah. more of these movies, we will see that change. I guarantee it. But um, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it is. And I think um, he's going to need some sort of community because no man is an island. He's going to need to reach out to somebody, even if it's not Mary Jane, even if he d discerns, use a very Catholic word, that you know he is called to a life of no like relationships like with a, a woman romantically because of the danger of his life. And that's, that's not that different from what Jesus chose to do, what Paul chose to do, what many Christians uh, choose to do who are dis discerning the priesthood or religious life or, or, or holy single life. You know, they discern that, you know, what God's calling me to is not that to devote myself primarily to one person and serve the Lord in that way with a, with a wife or husband and family, but to devote myself to some other sort of service. So like, I think Peter could discern that, you know what, like, I'm not going back to Mary Jane. I don't think that'll happen because, you know, Hollywood's Hollywood. Um, mm -hmm. But he would need to find other people. He would need to find some sort of yeah. um, community. I have an a episode I've already recorded, but it hasn't come out yet with, uh, with uh, Peter Volk, who runs a, a ministry called Equip Ministry. Um, and one of, one of his, his big things that he does, we're, we're talking about Schitt's Creek, um, that'll be out in a few weeks. Um, but one of the things that he does is he serves uh, celibate Christians. His, his kind of tagline is, uh, uh, we help churches uh, love uh, queer people and uh, help celibate Christians find community. And so he's all about like helping, you know, Christians, both Catholic and non, uh, find this vocation of celibacy, if that's what they're called to, and to help them have community and be connected so that it's not, they're not just like Peter Parker with no connections at all. Um, and I think sometimes in our church, our ministries can be very family focused, which is good that we're focusing on the family, but we also need ministry that is welcoming to single people so that if you don't have a kid who's in religious ed or it's, you know, you're not, you're not married, that you still have a community and you still feel welcomed in the church. So I think stuff like that for us as Christians, like to reach out to single people, to reach out, to, to help our priests and other celibates, like find community outside of, um, you know, just find stronger communities to welcome them into our, into our families and our gatherings. Like, I think that is so, so important to reach out to those people. So Peter, totally Parker, you need to find, Peter Parker needs to find a good church community, I think. So I totally agree. I love yeah. that. That's huge. Yeah. We were built for it. We were built for it. Absolutely. All right. We're, we're running out of time here. So, um, are there, is there anything else that you really wanted to make sure we talked about before the end? The meme, the banter, the, oh, the dialogue. Gosh. Dude, they were just so great together. <laughs> they were. The three of them were so good. And I, 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 dressed, I dressed this way specifically because of that line where Andrew says to Toby, he's like, so you're just going dressed as the cool youth pastor? And I was like, ah, oh, that, so that, that type of t-shirt and that bomber jacket is like often what I wear. When I go through that and I was like, oh, that was so yeah, good. I feel there attacked. were so many moments in that movie that were so funny between the mm -hmm. three of them. 
even 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 just when Andrew Garfield's character is introduced for the first time, and Mary Jane and is it Ned? Um, uh-huh. Or not Mary Jane? It's Michelle, whatever. Michelle Jones, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, they were trying to get him to prove that he was Spider Man, and just the interaction there—it was just hysterical. <laughs> I and, the grand, and the grandmother's telling him to like clean the cobwebs yeah. off the ceiling. Um, <laughs> and even that opening scene where uh, he and Ned are like calling each other on the phone, and they're like, "Dude, dude, dude, dude," and then MJ's like, "Dude, you put me on a bridge." <laughs> <laughs> so many funny moments and, and they didn't do that thing that sometimes they as I, I didn't sometimes in marvel movies there'll be like a serious moment and then they like throw in a joke and i feel like it was funny the first few movies but then it, it kind of in a lot of times it kind of cheapened the serious moments and i feel like they were better about this that in this movie they had a good balance of the serious moments and um they didn't they let the serious moments sit they didn't like get away from it too fast with a with a quip or a joke. So I I, I, I thought totally the humor agree. was really well balanced. The whole, intro, I, the whole yeah. intro sequence was absolutely masterful. It was so fast paced, but mm-hmm. it was so well done. And and even like the the stuff with uh, Aunt May and like she thought that she caught them having sex, but that's not what was <laughs> happening. And he kept saying it's not about sex, and she's like, you don't have to be embarrassed. <laughs> it was so good. Um, you said you cried. When did you cry? Oh man, I don't even remember now. I just felt so emotional so many times uh, in that movie. Um, I, I came close to crying oh, when Andrew I mean, saved MJ. That was the moment that I like. Yeah, came close so to that was very yeah. emotional when Aunt May died. That was very emotional. Um, mm-hmm. Some of, there were there were just several scenes. You know, Andrew Garfield's performance when he was talking uh, when they were when they found uh, Tom Holland's Spider Man on the roof, um, mm-hmm. and and just there were there were so many moments. And oh my gosh, it was just so powerful. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, I, it was nearly a perfect movie if it wasn't a perfect movie. It was nearly mm-hmm. one, at least. Like, I That's just so can't good. compare it to any other movie that came close. Yeah, it just brought together so many things so perfectly. Yeah. It was really good. So, um, yeah. the, uh, <laughs> the other, um, you mentioned the meme of the Spider-Mans pointing at each other. <laughs> Like that, that, yeah, I love that they, they acted that out in, in real life. This is Peter, Peter, I'm Peter, you're Peter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. It's amazing. All right. Last call. Any, anything else you love that we need to talk about? I know that if I rewatch the movie, I'm going to be like, oh, I should have talked about I know, that thing. I know. All right. Well, we can throw that in the exclusive content because we need to, we need to figure out something special for our patrons. So, uh, Stay tuned for that. Well, and thank you listeners for uh, coming with us. I know this is a little bit different than our normal episodes, not in the normal studio. Uh, Nick and I kind of threw this together last minute, so maybe it wasn't as polished in terms of the flow of conversation as it normally is, but hopefully uh, you enjoyed it. We had a good time uh, hopping on talking about this. Let us know if you like this this sort of uh, shooting from the hip uh episode you know it's a little bit different than the more planned out ones i do when i'm in the awakened studio but this is a way that we can get you more content so let us know if you like it. and let us know your thoughts on spider-man and spider-man no way home down in the comments we'd or in the awaken app uh we'd love to continue this conversation with you as well my name is mike tenney i'm the host of pop culture catechism this is nick de la Torre, the president of awakened catholic who runs helps run all these shows and the studio is out of his house and uh, you support us both by uh liking subscribing sharing if you know someone who's a fan of no way home and is interested in the spiritual themes you know take a screenshot send it to him say hey i think you'd really like this you can always give us a review on your podcasting app that always helps like subscribe all those things oh and i cannot forget We need to pray.
We need to pray. I normally ask my guests to pray, but I, I had you pray beforehand before we started recording. So uh, unless you feel it, real, really feel moved to, I'll uh, I'll close this. No, no, this no, time. do it, baby. All right. <laughs> In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Uh, listeners, viewers, wherever you are, take a moment to pause. Remember that God loves you. Remember that we are not orphans. Remember that he does not leave us alone. Remember that he gives us great power. He's given us great responsibility. That it is not a heavy burden, but a light burden and a sweet yoke that he calls us to. That he calls us to deeper relationships. Um, He calls us to do amazing, miraculous things in situations that often seem impossible. That he gives us the power. He gives us the strength. He gives us the grace to persevere um, against our own wounds to overcome hurts and, and, and the vengeance in our heart, which is trying to get out. Um, God comes and he, he can hold us back if we let him into our heart. He can point us in the right direction. He can reprogram the microchip that in our brains that is <laughs> making things crazy for us if we learn to walk with the Lord. And so, God, you are so good and we love you so much. Um, and even if uh, those listening right now, even if we're far from you, Lord, uh, we ask that you would come into our hearts in a deeper way. That even if we feel disconnected, we feel like there's no way home, that you would call us home and help us find our home in you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Thank you, viewers. We love you, and we will see you next time. Bro, way to tie in the title of the movie into the prayer. That was masterful. <laughs> well, that was kind of like, like that TikTok you sent me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Link to the TikTok in the show notes. Link to the TikTok in the show notes. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye.